Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, good evening and welcome to the podcast today. We appreciate you taking your time to listen, as we appreciate every one of our listeners And we're going to talk about something today, and that is information. You know, it's so important that we have correct information or good information, I should say, when we start making plans and making decisions. But the question comes with where do we get our information? You know, we were talking about this not too long ago, you and I, that there was a surprising statistic that aired that stated that folks in America of all ages, primarily teenagers and on up, derive most of their news from social media. Did you know that? From social media. In other words, whatever news stories are being shared, published, tweeted, Instagrammed, TikToked, Facebook, you know, whatever... Parlor, MeWe, whatever social media is out there, many, many folks are saying that that's pretty much their primary source of how they find out what's going on in the world today. Well, that would be good and accurate information because Abraham Lincoln said that they can't post it on the internet unless it's true. <laughs> exactly. And so that's the thing is that you've got to tread very carefully. If social media is your 100% only source of any particular news story, then what you are actually getting are a group of fact checkers who have questionable facts that they're checking and fact in questionable ways that they're checking. So we have questionable fact checkers checking questionable facts. You're getting skewed news. Skewed, you know, a lot of people say, what do you mean by skewed? You're getting news from social media, much like what you're seeing even on some of the mainstream media and even some of the alt media. And what I've observed is so many of these places have a spin. They have a slant. They have a bent. They have an agenda, a narrative, or a side. And not only do they tell it that way, they want you to think that way. You know, you said something several months ago. I've never forgotten it, and I've said it many times. I've repeated it. And that is that people are being told what to think instead of learning how to think. Hey, listen, I just want to tell you about a couple of books that you need to add to your collection and give as gifts. I highly encourage that you go to Amazon and look up this title, Making Contact During Emergencies. This is information that may save your life or the life of someone you care about. If injured, lost, or found in a disaster or another type of emergency. This book was written by Mark and Krista Lolly. I'm Krista and Mark is my husband. Book number two that we wrote that we're especially proud of and has gotten a lot of buzz is entitled Practical Prepping for Everyday People. This is a common sense guide on preparing for life's emergencies. And when we say practical prepping, we mean the type of emergencies you're going to find yourself in day in and day out. Car emergencies, dead batteries, flat tires, storm damage, the roof has gotten blown 
blown off. You find that you have no power, no electricity, no devices are working. These kinds of things are happening to somebody somewhere every single day. And we were astonished when we did a little research to find that a vast majority of people found themselves woefully unprepared for one or more of these types of emergencies. And particularly after this COVID year that we've experienced, I think a whole lot more of us are paying closer attention to things like grocery store supply chains, the ability to be able to buy gas, the ability to be able to move freely about, or what's going to happen if we do have to stay home for three weeks solid. Practical Prepping for Everyday People by Mark and Krista Lawley, also making contact during emergencies. Go to Amazon, look these up, add these to your collection. We sure appreciate it. You mentioned the alt media. Well, go back the mainstream media and you've got liberal and you've got conservative, you've got left wing and right wing, and they each put their spin on it. They, their opinion comes into their broadcast or their writing. Most definitely. You can look at CNN or Fox and you know what bent you're going to get on CNN. You know what bent you're going to get on Fox. So a lot of people will go to alt media, alternative media, and there are a number of alternative media sites out there. But one of the things that I have found is they do the exact same thing. Yeah, you know, there seems to have been a, a move away from just expressing information in a factual form and then letting the listener develop an opinion. The Walter Cronkites. Exactly. You know, for years, people had no idea what political stance Walter Cronkite took because that wasn't part of the story. I still don't know exactly what he was, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't he, matter. He gave you the facts, and there was a lot of times in things that he did, they did analysis they would analyze the information that they were giving out. And I'm thinking about Walter Cronkite covered many rocket launches, mm -hmm. many space missions. And so when they're doing those 15-minute holds, they have to fill that time with something, and they would bring someone in, and they would analyze it, and they would explain what that meant. Now, there are biases and we have normalcy biases, we interpret news and information through the filter of our own normalcy biases. That's true, we do. What we expect. But it's so important that we're able to get accurate information upon which we can act. That's one reason we have a NOAA weather radio. That NOAA weather radio will go off and they will tell us there's a tornado warning or there's a severe thunderstorm warning. That causes us to be able to analyze that information and see if we need to take action immediately or if we just need to be properly planning. And something else that has come to mind, too, is that, and maybe it's because I'm showing my age here, but sometimes I think that when a news story comes onto any form of media, that the purpose of that story is to divert you from something else that's going on back there or sideways or over this way. Look at this over here, but don't look at that over there. That's exactly what a magician does. Sleight of hand. Sleight of hand. Yeah. And so we're being told to focus on COVID, focus on COVID, focus on COVID. What's that distracting us from? Exactly. And yeah. I'm just using that as mm -hmm. an example. It happens all the time. 
there are things that the government, or as some folks would say, the government, the government, the government does not want us to see or to know. And gaining that information accurately is so important to us as preppers to be able to make rational decisions on what we need to do. Which leads me to our interview tonight. Well, our next guest is a former intelligence NCO and a contractor, and he and his team have worked in numerous countries gathering intelligence for the military, and they now gather intelligence for other interests, including the private sector. They're very experienced intelligence analysts, and now our guest is the CEO of Forward Observer, and that is Mike Shelby. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Now, Practical Prepping's tagline is Stuff Happens, Stay Prepared. And I guess if I wrote the mission statement for Forward Observer, it would be something along the lines of Stuff Will Happen, Stay Ahead of the Curve. Talk to us about Forward Observer. All right. Yeah, you're right on right on target. We want to provide early warning of things before they happen, whether that's the day of or, hey, here, here are some things happening next week or next month that you should be aware of, and really that you can still uh, make time to prepare for kind of a strategic warning. This is going to happen in the future, and we monitor a, a wide array of public and private sources. We really look at political, social, and economic instability. Those are the three planes of what we call low-intensity conflict, which is what we're experiencing in the United States right now. Mm -hmm. And we really exist. I started this back in 2016 because I was very interested in preparedness. And I had a friend who was in special forces or recently out of special forces, and he was teaching firearms classes and and tactical classes. And I said, you know what? Intelligence is actually a, a critical piece of this because if you can provide early warning, of events or you can start to put the puzzle together, then you can have more realistic or more accurate expectations of the future. Mm-hmm. And if you can have accurate expectations of the future, you know exactly what to be preparing for. And so we try to stay on target and uh, produce early warning of things before they happen. Well, I've noticed that on this daily briefing, on the early warning, the daily intelligence briefing, I've seen four categories here. And the first one is situational awareness. Now, on practical prepping, we talk a lot about situational awareness, and that's whether you're getting gas at the gas pump, paying attention nationally, and you provide some tremendous information on the worldwide situational awareness. Well, yeah. So what I recommend people do is a 60-30-10 split. So spend 60% of your time paying attention to what's happening locally, what's going on in City Hall, the county commission what's going on with local crime trends, what's happening in your neighborhood, and then 30% on a state or regional level, and then 10% on a national or global level. Because there's just so much stuff out there in the news that it it matters for five minutes, and tomorrow you will even forgot that you have seen it on the news. And so what we try to do is we, in our situational awareness brief, we do focus really on national level or sometimes strategic level trends, but we're, we're trying to paint a picture here of, you know, these things are happening day over day or week over week, and they're leading to a much bigger picture. And, you know, that uh, for situational awareness, again, it kind of, it all goes back to 
Um, situational awareness is good. It's great to be aware of what's happening around you. Situational understanding allows you to anticipate of what's going what's going to happen in the future. Whole different ball game. Yes, sir. So that really is our uh, ultimate mission. If we can achieve that, if we can help readers understand what's going to happen in the future, then we are doing our jobs. Another category you have is hazards warning. And I've noticed that you put tropical storms that could become hurricanes and things like that. And that's that's certainly appreciated by many folks. And that's I'm a weather nerd anyway. So that's something I always keep up with. But going into the in focus section, that's a much more in-depth discussion of issues. And in yesterday's daily brief, here, here's some things that I found. You talked about the Chinese AI, artificial intelligence, and you talked about drone swarms. I remember watching the Olympics, and they used basically the same technology of what you're talking about. And, you know, it was a beautiful display of what they did. It was pretty cool technology. But yesterday's early warning briefing makes me consider that in a totally different light. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? So, yeah, one of the big things is artificial intelligence is nothing new. China's use of drones is nothing new. But we are seeing continual developments, and that is how China is, and and the United States for that matter, how we are shifting from human decision-making to autonomous decision-making through artificial intelligence. And one of the concerns is hacking. Most of the time when when we think about hacking, you think about trying to shut something down or hacking to steal information, try try to leak information out of a server somewhere. But there's also an issue of data integrity. And so what if China or NSA or, or anyone, any peer nation state for that matter, what happens when you can hack into a system and change the decision-making algorithm? There's a, an example of how some security researchers tricked an AI system into looking at a, it showed it a picture of a panda, a panda bear. Mm-hmm. And through hacking the algorithm, it made that AI system believe that that panda was actually a monkey. And so what if you have an autonomous weapon system that says, Pandas, safe, don't target pandas, we are going to target the monkeys. And so what happens when China is able to hack into one of these systems and disrupt that data integrity, change a decision-making process or change some kind of algorithm or other factor that leads that autonomous system to make a mistake? And, you know, that's something that we have seen China do. Russia is doing this, North Korea, Iran, targeting data systems and injecting bad data into these systems. And it could eventually affect, say, a Reaper drone that decides to shoot a missile at something it's not supposed to, but it could also affect uh, local critical infrastructure. So maybe some food fa- food plant somewhere says, we're going to boil this water at you know 200 degrees or whatever the degree is for you know t- for 10 minutes. And what if they hack it, hack into it, say, well, you know, we're going to heat the water up to 90 degrees for five minutes, and then that that water that's not clean that hasn't been cleaned and, and killed the bacteria off gets dumped into food. And now that's going out to thousands of homes. So data, data integrity is a massive problem. And we talked about that in light of AI. How is AI going to function if adversaries can hack into our systems and change those algorithms, which we have not shown a capacity to consistently stop? Your in-depth analysis of that in the in-focus section was very good. And I certainly appreciated that. And you gave me some other things. You gave some behind the scenes in the J6 committee. 
you also did a very good job of laying out signs of slowing growth and the risk of a recession that could possibly come. And we're recording this on Thursday, and I believe it was yesterday that the GDP came out, and it was at 2% when they were expecting 2.7%. But just a year ago, we were experiencing in the neighborhood of 5% as far as the GDP. So the signs are definitely there, and you're definitely calling attention to that. And you had some observations on cryptocurrency. Is there anything else that you would like to share today from an economic standpoint? Certainly. Yeah, so one one of the things, every Thursday we publish an economic intelligence brief. And one of the things I've noticed as we headed last year, as we've headed into the COVID lockdowns, is that the Atlanta Fed, especially because they run a, a thing called GDP Now, where mm-hmm. they forecast GDP growth. Mm-hmm. And everyone from Goldman Sachs to the Atlanta Fed, pretty much on, on down, JP Morgan Chase, they all had overly optimistic pictures of the economy. And I noticed week to week to week, they continually downward revised the growth as we were heading into the lockdowns. And then as the country started to open back up and you had people returning, there's all the stimulus and people are going back out to spend money. They all almost always, week over week over week, month over month, overshot their GDP forecast. So it was always overly optimistic. And there's one of two things happening here. Either their data is so bad that they really can't accurately anticipate future GDP, in which case... They need to be subscribing to the Forward Observer. Well, <laughs> potentially, yeah, potentially. So either their forecasting abilities are so bad that we shouldn't even pay attention to it, or they're going along with the narrative. They're saying, oh, things aren't going to be that bad, and things are get much worse. And they say, oh, things are going to be much better. Things do get better, just not that much better. And so now we're seeing this economic slowdown again, where GDP is being downward revised on a monthly basis. And it goes back to that question, are we being actually, are we being told the truth? Because the Fed said it was transitory. Okay, well, very few people actually believed it was going to be transitory. Then last week, Jay Powell comes out and says, eh, you know, it might actually last a little bit longer. Are they that inept or are they just lying to us because they don't want the economy collapse to collapse if they actually told us the truth? And so what we try to do is provide an alternative take to what the mainstream media and even what Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan and Bank of America are trying to tell us and their investors. And so that would be, we may well be close to a recession this winter, especially if we have more COVID restrictions. I mean, I don't see how this is possible. The Biden administration is talking about private sectors firing thousands, tens of thousands of people over these vaccine mandates. And they don't think that the unemployment rate is going to rise because of that. They don't think that people are going to stop spending money if they're threatened with losing their job. Uh, Is that not going to cause some kind of economic slowdown? Look, I think I don't quote me on this, but it's something like a uh, I'm saying this on your show. (laughs) It's something like a three to five percent decrease in consumer spending and you get a recession. So how close are we actually to potentially having a recession? And. The Fed's talking about winding down. They're tapering their quantitative easing, taper, tapering these 120, I think it's $120 billion a month now in asset mm-hmm. purchases. So they're going to be taking out all of this, uh, tapering these asset purchases as we go into recession, and they don't think that's going to make it worse. So the Fed is out of good options. There are no good options left. There's only painful options left. And one of the things we try to do every Thursday is keep our readers apprised of what those bad options are and what those effects could be in the future. Well, we have been telling folks about the coming inflation for quite a long time. And one of the things that my wife and I are doing, 
and that we have advocated doing is any large purchases that you're planning to make in the next year or so, go ahead and make those. Uh, I don't think they're telling us the truth on the actual amount of inflation that we're seeing. I think it's considerably higher than what they're putting out. And the last number I saw was, what, 5.4%. Yes, sir. And I think the reality of it, it is probably more up into the 7 or 8%. So I don't know that they're t- being truthful with us on that. And I think they're following a narrative. And I'm right there with you on the number of terminations and the number of layoffs over these COVID mandates when we are at a time that we need to be getting more people back into the workforce. So I've appreciated what you guys have talked about in the financial areas as well. And the last category that I have listed here is the low-intensity conflict SITREP, and that's situational report. Yesterday, it talked about the protests this weekend in D.C. and New Jersey and actually named the one in Atlanta the day before it occurred. Thankfully, it wasn't a large protest, did not turn into a riot. But you guys have got your finger on the pulse of a lot of things, especially in the United States. And I know that we certainly appreciate that, and I'm sure that our listeners will as well. What else would you like to tell us about Forward Observer? And certainly tell us how we can get in touch with you, where we can find you, how we can subscribe, and how we can find your YouTube channels and things like that. Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity. I live and breathe this stuff, and I really enjoy discussing it. And so thank you for having me on. You can find our website at forwardobserver.com. We're also on YouTube, a channel of the same name, Forward Observer. And if you'd like to subscribe to our report, we do a free version called the Daily SA. Uh, which you can sign up for at the website. You can also go to forwardobserver.com slash subscribe to get our uh, subscriber information. My final thought is this decade, a lot of people are talking about the Civil War and what that could look like and are we in one and will there be one? I want to share with you a defense doctrine, army doctrine called low-intensity conflict. Low-intensity conflict is conflict below the threshold of conventional war. So we're not talking about bombers and tanks but it exists above routine peaceful competition. And we are far above routine peaceful competition, but far below conventional warfare. This is called low intensity conflict. This is the gray zone that exists between war and peace. There's various segments. There's the left and the right. There's the is the class conflict between the, the billionaire ruling class and then the country class. And even the country class is split between conservative and, and progressive. And then there's racial and ethnic strife and, and other types of problems. And this is not going to end any time soon. I think this is much likely to, uh, to worsen over the next decade. And it just so happens I was born in the right decade, born in the 80s, enlisted in the early 2000s and spent three years in Iraq and Afghanistan. So we're very well versed in the politics of insurgency and what that could look like here. And so low intensity conflict, that section of our report exists to track on a near daily basis what these extremist groups are doing what they're doing to the country, what they're planning for next. And we, what we really want to do is before the next version of t- the 2020 riots kicks off, we want to warn people about what they can expect. And that is really why we do what we do. Well, Mike, we certainly appreciate your service to the country and your service in the military. And we also appreciate your service to the country in establishing Forward Observer and the work that you do there. 
and we certainly appreciate you coming on the podcast. And you're welcome back at any time you have anything that you would like to be sharing with our audience. And it has been good talking with you tonight. Well, Mark, I'm humbled. Thank you very much. And uh, I, I would love to come back. And yeah, let's talk more about low intensity conflict one day. We'll do that. Well, I can tell you that I found that interview to be very interesting, even intriguing. He has caused me to begin to think about some things more deeply. I'm going to do some due diligence on my end on researching some topics, digging a little bit deeper, realizing that there are sources of information such as what they're doing there at Forward Observer. And I'm glad to see that they're doing this kind of work because I think it's a positive step. I think that we need not necessarily strike out in fear, but I think we have to have awareness and that leads to better preparedness. Hey, that almost rhymes. <laughs> you caught what he said about the 60-30-10, yes. 60% 60 of your efforts being focused on your local and regional area. Uh -huh. We need to get involved in what the school board, and that's very important here in the last few weeks. And, you know, what, people are speaking up. And standing up mm -hmm. and getting thrown out. Mm -hmm. We need to focus on the commission meetings, the city council meetings. We need to focus on our state legislators. We need to focus on state government. And then we need to spend about 30% of our time looking at national. And that's where national and international really is where Forward Observer comes in and gives us the ability to know what's going on halfway around the world in ways that you and I do not have. We don't have the networks to be able to get that kind of information. So that's where Forward Observer comes in so handy. Folks, go visit their site, forwardobserver.com. And we will put these links on the show notes. We will put a link, and it may take me until next week, but we will put a link onto the front page of the website to Forward Observer. We believe in what these guys are doing. We appreciate them, and we'll be bringing you some more information from them from time to time. And we look forward to having Mike back on the program here in the near future. Anything else you want to add before we go? Dig a little deeper, folks. You know, stuff happens, so you got to stay prepared. We'll see you next time. If you find value in our podcast, would you consider supporting us by buying us a cup of coffee? You can do that by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practicalprep. Your support helps us keep the podcast up and running, as well as growing. We have a few things in the planning stages, and your support will really help make those things happen. And we thank you so kindly. If you haven't done this already, go ahead and click the subscribe button so you'll never miss one of our episodes. And share it with your friends and family. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.